0: On 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton, and it is uh, wonderful to have uh, somebody who is very much uh, a huge believer in what the new film called Envoy Shark Cull is all about. In fact, she's known as Shark Girl around the world. Madison Stewart joins us. G'day, Madison. Hello. It's great to be able to have a chat to you, um, and I especially like that you um, you know you, you've got this Shark girl sort of title and it doesn't matter you know how old you get now you're always going to get to have the girl part of it too which is awesome right
1: oh thanks for reminding me I feel like (laughs) it's a name I'm never going to live down (laughs) but it's
0: okay let's actually talk about that quite seriously um clearly there was a you've got a love of sharks when most people would say well 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 well, well, I've, I've got a fear of sharks where did that come from how early in your childhood did that actually first start appearing
1: Honestly, so early. When I was a little kid, I'd watch horror movies and I'd like root for the monster. So I've always loved things that people are scared of. And it was just like a natural step to fall in love with sharks. My dad and I grew up diving with sharks. It was like our favorite animal. So it started from really young. Yeah.
0: Uh, Now, you you say that. Where, Where did you grow up?
1: I actually grew up on the Gold Coast of Australia.
0: Yeah. And so as you, you said diving with sharks, was it a deliberate thing that you were looking to dive with sharks or you happened to be diving and they just happened <laughs> yeah. to be around?
1: No, it was, it was it was deliberate. Good luck explaining that to everybody at my school. Oh, my gosh, that was fun. But, yeah, it was deliberate. Like, me and Dad would travel places that we knew that we'd be able to get in the water with sharks.
0: Yeah. And when did it change from, okay, I just like scary things and so therefore I don't mind being around them too, <laughs> to actually there's something so special about these creatures and and I'm now really passionate about where they are. Do you you remember a moment or, again, was that sort of just something that you grew into?
1: No, I love this question because I remember the exact moment. I was 14 years old and I was diving a reef on the Great Bay Reef that I had been diving since I was a kid. And then we went back and all all the sharks that I had dived with as a kid had basically disappeared and been overfished. And that was like a really big moment for me uh, and a big realisation that I needed to be involved in conservation and not just having fun with sharks.
0: Yeah. So 14, I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty young to still be going, all right, well, I've got to do something. And yet it's also one of those perfect moments in life, right? We we, we are invincible and think everything can be done at 14. What was the, the, the change then? What did you start doing in your world?
1: <laughs> totally. Um I began kind of lobbying against the government because I discovered there were legal shark fisheries operating inside the Great Bay Reef. And as you said, I had this optimistic view about being able to change things. That became quite a realistic view very quickly. So, I mean, our power as individuals is is huge, but what I was trying to do was obviously such a large task and it kind of spiraled into this conservation career that just hasn't stopped and I guess has led all the way up to something like Envoy and other productions around shark conservation.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm, everyone who has, you know stands up for something, Madison, ends up facing some opposition. Right? It doesn't matter uh, even yeah. how, how good the, the, the thing that we're standing up for. There's always seems to be somebody. I'm guessing over the time, uh, you've had a fair few people uh, saying, "Oh, look, just be quiet," or uh, they're, they're sharks. That's all they are. Uh, do, you know, those sorts of pushbacks. My guess is it even drives you even further to stand up for, for sharks and say, "Look, we, we've got to educate further." Is that what it actually does, or does it just annoy you?
1: Oh, no, absolutely, because I've had more people, especially at the start, more people like that than I had support. You know, growing up in Australia and being in a place where people are scared of sharks and sharks represent something that takes human life, it's not easy to advocate for them. So it was absolutely a huge part of it at the start. And for me, it was just a drive to to really move further. And I used to approach those situations and those people with a lot of anger and a lot of hatred, and I don't anymore. It's now everything's just kind of based on compassion because we have to understand that people who are usually – scared of something is why they're angry about you trying to save it so when you can fix that relationship and fix that fear it really brings a different perspective
0: mm. how do you go actually about that because I would probably say the majority of people whether they think about it consciously or not uh, probably do go oh yeah I'm more scared of sharks than than like them I definitely would be sitting on that sort of side of the fence yeah uh, totally, how, what, totally. Do you, what do you actually do to, to help educate us in that sense
1: well, I think that uh, for me, I don't need everybody to love sharks. I think it's a good thing for people to just have a healthy respect for sharks. And when people understand that they're not bloodthirsty, mindless killers that want to eat humans, it's a lot easier for them to have that respect. So a little bit of education. It's amazing for me as well, seeing people that were once scared of sharks actually get in the water with them and get a completely different perspective of them, which usually happens when people meet them in real life. And not everyone's willing to do that. I understand, which is fine. But I think just having like a really good, healthy respect, like I said, is like the main thing that people need, and that's a difficult thing, you know. If I was fighting for dolphins, it would be a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> fighting for sharks has challenges.
0: Yeah. Um. In terms of the the way sharks are branded, and I mean, you know, there's they're they're an animal, yeah. You know, but people brand them. Um. It seems even now, you know, you talked about the fact that the first thing you actually fell in love with was there these scary movies of shark. You know, we still have even you know, at aquariums now, oh, swim with the sharks, it's the scary moment. Is there a a need to change that in your mind or is that, okay, well, at least we're getting some attention and then we can educate from there?
1: I definitely think there is a need to change it because the perception that everybody has of sharks is so far off. However, at the same time, excuse me, I'll be the first to say that sharks are dangerous and it's okay to acknowledge that. I'm a big fan of actually embracing the fact that we do share the coastline with dangerous animals and that's never something that we should lie about. And that's <coughs> sorry, that's one of the things that we should love about sharks as well.
0: Yeah, I, I suppose there's that other argument too, like we, we, we all understand and know that, um, you know, cars are dangerous, but we all get in there and, and we, we, we understand the risk. We just exactly. put we put right precautions around as we head through as well.
1: Exactly. Uh, and, and like we're super lucky to have these animals still existing in the world that really humble us and, that are a part of our, I guess, community, especially in Australia. Like we're known for our wild animals and our wildlife and we don't realise how lucky we are to actually have that.
0: Yeah. Um, We we started sort of our chat here around the, um, the, the Shark Girl tag. When did that happen for you?
1: Oh, my goodness. That happened when I was probably about 15 in a local newspaper and kind of took off from there. I had nothing to do with it. And then I just ended up embracing it, because why not?
0: (laughs) Exactly. Madison, um, also, you know, one of these things that I think um, really allowed you to have your platform that you do now as well was uh, being the young conservationist of the year with the Australian Geographic a few years ago, too. Tell us a bit about that process.
1: Yeah, that was amazing. Um, That was really, really, like special to me to be recognised for that work because conservation was never something that I intended to get into. It's not something you can be taught either. Like there's no school program or university degree for conservation. So to find your way in it is a difficult thing. To be recognised for that was really awesome and then I ended up actually getting a grant from Australian Geographic after that which I used to start one of my conservation projects. So it was was a great, great occurrence and it was a real honour for me.
0: Yeah, just wonderful. We're going to be back with Madison Stewart in a couple of moments' time uh, to hear a bit about some of the the conservation work that she is doing and also as we talk a bit more deeply about this film, this new film, uh, Envoy Shark Cull, and uh, talk about the impact that uh, Madison believes this this documentary really can have into our world. That's on the way next year on 89.9 The Line. In conversation with Clayton. On eighty nine point nine, the light. You're in conversation with Clayton and Madison Stewart. We've been talking a bit about the fact that uh, you know she was called Shark Girl all those years ago, and is still an absolute advocate for sharks and our understanding uh, about you know not being as scared as we are, and in fact starting to look after the sharks uh, that are especially all around our coastline here in Australia. Um, Madison, this new film Invoice Shark Cull is out. You know, it's got some big names in it. Uh, you know, not least of which you know, Eric Banner narrates it, Lane Beachley's in there and you're in there as well. Tell us you know, the reason that you're a part of it and also uh, what you think really can be achieved through something like this.
1: I'm a part of it because it's an issue that we have to start talking about. It is such an amazing film. It's the first time that a film has been done on this thing that occurs off our coastline every day that we don't even realise is happening and most people aren't even aware of. So it was super exciting that, professional film crew came to document and make a documentary about something that we've all known about us in the shark world have all known about since we were young so for me it was finally a chance to like have that topic seen by people everywhere and i'm like super stoked that it's coming out and people are going to get to see it yeah
0: i know that one of the things that you've done over the the different years has been you know to go and actually talk to those people who are doing the, the, the culling of sharks and these sort of things. It's not that you're just doing it from a distance. You've gone and talked to them and, and chatted to them. Yes. What what do you see yeah. the solutions are? Is there a is there a middle ground here where we can have win-wins with people or are you see it more as a, well, no, we actually need to just go a whole way and, and stop this completely?
1: Yes, yeah, such a good question. So I think the biggest bit of confusion that occurs when you talk about someone like myself that cares about sharks is that I don't care about humans. But the opposite is true. People like myself that know the shark control program, which is the focus of the film, we actually know how ineffective it is. And that's the main reason that we want it to end. I personally do want to see stronger measures to protect people from sharks along our coastline. I want to see shark education being brought in the schools. I want to see people safe when they go into the ocean, as safe as possible. But I know that the methods we have in place right now that are run by the Australian government are not effective, and they're really just a smokescreen. So I think the only solution is to have something that actually works in place and to not just have things that are there because they look good on paper, basically.
0: For someone who hasn't seen the film as yet, can you give us a a brief synopsis? What what sort of things do you mean when you say it's not not being effective, and, and what's it trying to achieve in the first place?
1: absolutely so for more than 30 years now we've had nets and drum lines which have baited hooks off the coast of australia and they're there for they're the protection so basically the goal of this equipment is to kill and cull sharks the reason it's ineffective is because attacks still occurred at beaches with these things you can't stop the whole population of sharks from existing by having these in place they don't catch the animals that happen to be there on the day that might attack people. They also catch a huge amount of bycatch, like manta rays, turtles, dolphins, even whales get entangled in the nets. And a lot of the catch that's caught in them is actually caught leaving the beachside, heading back out to the sea. There is a whole array of issues with this program that is like gone into in-depth within the film. But basically, the the number one thing people need to know is that it's kind of a publicity stunt to make tourists feel safer at the beach, but it's not keeping anyone safe.
0: And my understanding is that there's actually newer, better technological methods and all sorts of things that could be actually be put in place.
1: Yeah, there's, there's great alternatives. Um, they've been using alternatives in other countries as well. One of my favourite ones is shark spotters. so They have people in towers and they're usually retired people that are just volunteers that love the job. And when they see a shark, they ring the alarm and everybody gets out of the water and waits for it to pass. There's another one which is an amazing kelp barrier. So sharks won't actually swim through a kelp forest. So they've made an artificial one and it's actually like a full block one thing people don't realize about the nets is that they only go for 120 meters on like a four kilometer beach. So the kelp barrier is actually a really, really cool and far more effective method to protect people as well.
0: Yeah. And and a natural aspect of the environment too, much more than so than yep. nets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Also, as we, we look forward, um, Madison, you know, this is. Uh, your life's work now and, and, you know, it seems like it's going to be for a a while forward as we we go into it. Um, What do you hope that as somebody watches this documentary that they actually walk away with? Um, Is it that they uh, just understand more? Is it that there's an action that they take? What, What is it that you hope for?
1: That's a great question. I honestly think it's going to be so different for every individual that watches it, but I hope that they remove a little bit of their trust in the government and then they take their safety into their own hands. Because for me, that's super important for anybody that's interacting on our coastline when we do have dangerous shark. sharks. The other thing I'd love them to take away from it is a desire to advocate for a better method to protect people and something that doesn't harm as much marine life. And I'd love people to just take away a new understanding of sharks and that, like you said, for so many years, they've played the villain. But it really is the case of them being the victims now. And we do need to start looking at them differently.
0: Um, Madison, as we also, you know, I've got you on, you, you know, sharks, you understand sharks. I need to ask some other questions as we go too. and one of these is right out there, which is ridiculous, but it's, as I go down to my local fish and chip shop, I, I keep hearing people say, well, you know, you order flake, it's actually shark. What is it? And, and is this something I shouldn't be doing? Can you educate me around that?
1: (laughs) Oh, it's it's the old rule. Don't eat them, and they won't eat you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a shark. And then, as in Australia, we eat so much shark. Um, The reason for this predominantly is because they are incredibly cheap. So shark fins are worth a lot of money, and they're exported to China to be used in a delicacy called shark fin soup. But the body stays here in Australia, and it gets sold really cheap. And it usually ends up fish and chips, and it's usually called flake. So. The reason that you shouldn't eat flake, obviously, is because sharks are apex predators. They're really in trouble. There's no such thing as a sustainable shark fishery. Even the ones that are proved sustainable have horrific bycatch. But the biggest reason, which has been my work in the past to actually go and do these tests, is that it contains a high level of mercury. And mercury can be a really dangerous substance for humans to consume, especially using mothers. Mercury is really dangerous to them. And we know that any large fish, such as sharks in the ocean... Have high levels of mercury in their system. so you're better off avoiding flakes for your own health and for the ocean's health.
0: Yeah. Um. Also, Madison, a question that I wanted to ask around. You know, we, we talk about sharks as this, as you said, you know, apex predator. But the 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 need to protect them. Um. Often, often we we look at this the other way around. We go, well, hold on. Whoever's at the top of the this food chain, as it were, we don't need to protect. They, they can protect themselves. Um, can you give us actually yeah. some, some of the numbers, some of the reasons that we actually should be looking at protecting our shark species?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So because they're at the top of the food chain, there's relatively few of them naturally. So they are really at risk. As well as that, they're not like fish where they lay thousands of eggs. Sharks are really slow breeders. Sometimes they're taking up to 25 years before they even have baby sharks and then it can be like such a long, slow process. So they are really susceptible to fishing pressure. I think the biggest thing we need to take into our minds as well is the fact that sharks have been neglected and overfished for so many years because people don't really care about them. And that's honestly been the biggest thing that's happened to them. People not wanting to advocate for sharks the way they do other animals has been their biggest downfall. Uh, So about 12 deaths on average occur from shark attacks worldwide a year, but humans kill more than 100 million sharks a year. So that's probably the
0: most shocking statistic that I have for you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, final sort of questions as we, we wrap up here, but to try and really understand this perspective more, I, I remember a study that was done, I think it was over in, you know, one of the, the big parks in America, you know, Yosemite or something like that. And they'd, they'd taken the wolves away. You know, they went, well, these ones, they're, they're killing yep. the animals and whatever. And they, they realised that actually there was this massive effect on the entire ecosystem because they were keeping things at bay and, whatever else and and the reintroduction of these a few wolves meant there was a massive change is there a a similar process that is happening that we see in a a, you know negative way when sharks are being taken away in our oceans
1: a hundred percent um that's such a great example isn't it i love that story about the wolves um and it's exactly the same in the ocean There are places that have been completely devastated by the absence of sharks and we've seen it happen. We've seen ecosystems collapse once sharks were removed. One of my favourite examples of this is there's a place in Western Australia where tiger sharks actually impact the growth of the seagrass and they do this through their predation on dugongs and turtles and they force the dugongs and turtles to be a bit more aware, a bit more alert and move around and not relax and just eat in the one place because if they did that, they'd ruin the seagrass in that one area. So the way that sharks really affect their local ecosystem is just so detailed and so impactful that we really don't understand it on many levels. So removing them has such an adverse effect and it's definitely been seen in the past. And I love that example with wolves because it's very similar.
0: Um, so final thing for me, Madison, obviously you're encouraging people to watch this film, you know, Envoy Shark, but Envoy Shark, Cull. But um, maybe there's a family who's listening right now and go, you know what, Madison's really inspired us to to get a bit more involved and understanding. What should we do? Should we just be sending the kids straight down to the beach and get in the ocean? Or like, what should I be doing if we want to understand a bit more about this? And, and you know, really, um, I suppose, educate ourselves more as a family. Well, first of all, thank
1: you. Second of all, there is so much you can do. And please try and remember that you don't have to jump in the water with a great light in order to be a shark advocate. Some of us just do it for fun because we're a little crazy. <laughs> but there's also so many ways. And then actually the reason that we make things like Envoy Shark Call and the reason I do what I do is so that I can have general members of the public on side doing things to help sharks as well. Like the whole purpose of us raising awareness is so that people can use their individual power to help the cause. So There is so much you can do. I'd suggest people to either... Follow my socials or check out my website, and I actually have like a bunch of small films that I've made about all the causes and about things like flake and mercury and flake. So there's all these different little tools out there that you can use to learn more. And then who knows? Maybe you have a really specific skill that can be used in conservation and you can help the cause. So for anybody that wants to get more involved, the information is out there. We're out there. Everybody in Envoy Shark Carl in the film has a non-profit or, or, you know, a cause or information and social media. So we're ready to have more people join
0: the fight for sharks. Excellent. Madison, it's been wonderful having a chat to you. Um, and uh, for, we, we haven't said this, but we're actually uh, speaking to you while you, you're driving around the streets in Indonesia. So it's wonderful that we've had the opportunity <laughs> to even even be have this conversation. We wish you all the best with the work that you're doing and obviously with this film, Envoy uh, Shark, Cull, uh, at the moment as well. Thanks again Thank for you your time.
1: Thank you so much. No worries.
0: Thank you. Madison Stewart, my guest here on 89.9 the light.